Well, good morning, Springbrook. Welcome into the house of the Lord for worship. We are so glad to be with you today. If you're joining us online at our 9 o'clock service, we have hosts who are available specifically for you all throughout the service. They'd love to answer your questions. They'd love to get to know you a little bit. So I encourage you to participate in the chat as you feel led. We are glad that you are joining us from wherever you are today. I'd love to invite you to stand as you're able in body or in spirit for our call to worship, which today comes from Psalm 145. And the psalmist writes, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all. And his mercy is over all that he has made. And the psalmist goes on. He says, all your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generation. So let's join our voices in with all the saints and sing praises to our God. Come set your rule and reign in our hearts again. Increase in us, we pray. Unveil why we're made. Come set our hearts ablaze with hope like wildfire in our very souls. Holy Spirit, come invade us now. We are your church. We need your power in Church, we are the home on 
Amen. Well, everybody, we are so excited to introduce a new song to you this morning that expresses that all of our delight is found in God and God alone. Join in with us as you pick it up.
In Luke 17, 20 and 21, being asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them, the kingdom of God is not coming in ways that you can observe, nor will they say, look, here it is, or there. For behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you.
be seated. See my hands and look at my feet. It's okay if it's hard to believe. you will do greater things. It's my time to go, but before I
before you in worship this morning. We come before you to praise you. We come before you because we need you. We come to you because you have invited us to yourself. Whether we're conscious of it, aware of it or not, it is your spirit that has been working in us, that has brought us into this room, into this place today, or even onto this website today from wherever we are. No one's here by mistake, God. There's no coincidence in this place. It's your Holy Spirit who has drawn us together to hear from you, to worship you, to encounter you. And so I thank you for each person in this room, each person online who is worshiping along with us. God, you know their hearts. You know the burdens they're bearing this week. You know, there are some things that we're, we're even afraid to ask you for. Because we're not sure we can handle the disappointment if you don't show up, if you don't respond. But God, will you give us faith to come and bring all of ourselves before you today? Give us faith to trust you, to trust you enough to lay down our burdens, to stop our striving. Because all our delight is in you, and Father God, your delight is in us. That's who we are. We are beloved by you. So I lift up each person in here. For those who believe that with all of their being and for those for whom that reality seems way, way too good to be true. Holy Spirit, instill it in our hearts that we are loved by you, that you have a purpose for us, that your plan is so much bigger than what we're seeing right now. And we need you. This time would be wasted and worthless if you were not present and working. And so we ask you, we beg you to open our eyes that we can see clearly today. Open our ears. We want to hear your voice, God. We, we are longing to hear your voice. And will you open and soften our hearts to be receptive to you? You have your goodness and your mercy and your love ready to pour out on us. Would you make us receptive to it today? Glorify yourself. Magnify your name, we pray, in this place and in our lives. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Welcome to Springbrook. We are so glad that you are here this morning. Don't happen to our weather. I had to turn the air conditioner on this weekend. I caved in. When it's winter, I don't turn on the heater until it's at least 50 degrees in the house. But summer, I can't do the heat. 
So Carolyn was uh, staying with the Iwana kids, and I was by myself. I thought, I'm going to turn the heat on. So, But uh, we are glad that you are uh, here this morning. We've got, uh, got some new welcome cards on your uh, chairs there. And so uh, on the back of that, there's a place for you to indicate if you have any questions about our time together. Uh, if you're here with us in person this morning, we'd love the opportunity to, uh, to hear from you. You can just put your first and last name on the front of that card. There's a box in the back. You can drop that off on the way out this morning. And then if you're watching with us online this morning, we're glad you're uh, here with us as well. Uh, there should be an online connection card. We've got our online hosts that are available uh, to pray with you, answer any questions uh, that you might have, and uh, so feel free to, uh, to reach out to them. And then, uh, hey, ladies, I wanted to let you know uh, we have our Spire conferences next Saturday. And so it's a week from yesterday. I think we have 100, 150 people have already registered. And so we'll have somebody out in the lobby uh, after uh, the service this morning. But this is a great opportunity uh, for you to come together, to be encouraged, uh, bring a friend. Uh, they're going to have a great time. They've got uh, some great teachings, some great music, and a committee. And they're sure to uh, uh, just have everybody have a good time. And so if you're looking for an opportunity to connect with some other ladies, uh, maybe you're new to Springbrook or you've got a friend you'd like to invite, Aspire is a great thing uh, for you to invite them to. And then also wanted to let you know we have uh, uh, something exciting that we're rolling out this week. Uh, Springbrook, uh, last month, our elder board um, approved the purchase of a subscription to uh, Right Now Media. It's an online media library. It's got small group curriculum on there. It's got video teaching. It's got training. Um, it's got um, uh, just, a, just a multitude of resources available for equipping our church uh, to become all that God uh, would have for them. And so whether you're new to the faith, whether you have questions about the faith or wanting to grow deeper in your faith, um, you'll find resources on Right Now Media. It's a free subscription to you. Uh, in fact, uh, today, um, after the second service, um, if, we don't, if we have your email on file, everybody at Springbrook's going to get an email invitation to that. But I would encourage you to sign up for that. Uh, you can check that out. We've got some really uh, exciting things on there for you. In fact, on our Springbrook site, um, we have a channel that's designed to help uh, people, when they think about their spiritual growth pathway, whether it's connect, grow, equip, or go, we've got materials available to help you to take the next step on your spiritual journey. And so I'm going to encourage you to uh, check that out. If you have any questions, you go to our website, uh, springbrook.org slash rightnowmedia. But please take advantage of this uh, great resource uh, that we're making available for everyone at Springbrook. In fact, if you're a parent, they have a kids section that is just uh, unbelievable. It's got uh, uh, just materials that's got stories and games and uh, videos kids that can watch and so if you've got young kids uh, and you want to help them engage in bible stories those kind of things uh, there's a lot of resources for your children there as well and so feel free to uh, to check that out if you've got any questions uh, please let us know but we hope that you uh, are blessed uh, by this uh, gift and hope you'll take advantage of that if you have any questions um, please uh, just let us know hey we are kicking off a new series uh, sent um, today and uh, we celebrated Easter. We have uh, Christ is risen, and so I, I, I've been walking around this morning. Hey, he's still risen. He's still risen. <laughs> you know, this is a, a period between the resurrection and his ascension. The forty days that Jesus was with his disciples, and so uh, he had many different appearances. And so we're going to be looking at those through this uh, series. We're going to be having some fun uh, just looking at Jesus's appearance before he was ascended and the things that we can learn uh, from his teaching uh, you know and so I hope you can join us we're going to be uh, going through this series for the next several weeks and uh, we're looking forward to all that God has um, for us in that and just out of curiosity uh, I got up this morning I thought I wonder what the world population is <laughs> last Sunday it was 8 billion 26 million it's gone up almost one and a half million people since last Sunday 
And this is a total population increase. And so in order for us to get a million and a half increase, we've had uh, probably two million people die, but three and a half million people have been born. And so there's been a lot of people born in the, in just in the last week. Isn't that amazing? When you think about the population and, and our impact on our culture, it's, it's important because we have more of an opportunity to share Christ now than we've ever had throughout history. It is amazing to think about how many people are being born and how many people are not being born uh, that have never had an opportunity to hear about um, Christ. Uh, in fact, if you look at uh, Christianity since uh, the year 2010, Christianity has had uh, a minimizing impact each year. It's been kind of a slow decline uh, with regard to Christianity's impact on, on our culture. For the last several years, we've started to see some intentional engagement. Churches like Springbrook that are taking seriously uh, the Great Commission, the Great Commandment to reach their community for Christ, uh, to really uh, build passionate followers that are making a difference. And so we're starting to see a little bit of a turn. Uh, so it's kind of plateaued. And then the projecting between uh, now and the next uh, 25 years that we'll see a moderate uh, increase uh, within Christianity and its impact on its culture. The things that's shocking, though, is to take a look at what's happening with other world religions. In fact, if you look at uh, Islam, uh, the Muslim population is growing exponentially. That's the fastest growing religion in the world right now. Uh, they don't believe that Jesus is God. Uh, they put their faith in Muhammad. And so if you under, unpack uh, the, just the tenets and the beliefs of Islam, it, it's like, I don't understand why somebody would want to choose that over a Savior that has been risen from the grave and promises new life. And so Jesus was resurrected. Its impact on our world is, it just can't be overstated, but yet many people continue to reject the truths of Scripture. And so this is kind of what we're up against. In fact, I was sitting at a coffee shop last week working on my sermon, and the person next to me uh, was wearing a hijab, and, and she brought out her, her, she had her um, Quran out, and some, somebody met her there. And right next to me was somebody doing a Bible study for a different faith. I walked out of the garage uh, you know, yesterday, and uh, my neighbor's watching, you know, I love you, man. He's a Jehovah's Witness, and he and his wife were sitting in my driveway, and they were praying at our house, and they went to the next-door neighbors, and I was thinking, you know, they don't believe Jesus is God. They don't believe in the resurrection, and so I'm surrounded by people that don't have a relationship with Christ. And so for us to be able to come together this morning to look at the resurrection and its impact just can't be understated, and the importance that it has on how we live out our faith and the influence that we can potentially have in our community. You know, we have 350,000 people around this church. The majority of them don't believe in the resurrection. They've never heard about Christ. And so we have an unprecedented opportunity to share the good news that we have about Christ with other people around us. Now, just in my own personal experience, as I've talked with friends, neighbors, as I've engaged with my culture, you know, but it's been my personal experience that when I talk to somebody about who Jesus is, whether they believe in Jesus, whether they have made a faith commitment, that 80% of the people that I talk to don't. I very rarely run into somebody that has a relationship with Christ. And so I want to encourage you during this next week to think about maybe engaging in conversations with people around you. We're talking about the resurrection. We just celebrated Easter. We're talking about the hope that we have in Christ. We've gathered together to encourage one another into faith and to grow in our spiritual growth towards Christ. And so I just want to encourage you, maybe, maybe next week, ask somebody if they believe Jesus is God. You know, ask if they believe that Jesus came back to life and ask them if Jesus went to heaven. Just one of those three simple questions. It's a simple question. Now, don't ask anybody in your small group because everybody in your small group is going to say yes. <laughs> don't ask anybody out in the lobby because they're all going to say yes. Maybe. Sometimes maybe you're here this morning and you've got questions about that. 
You know, sometimes people, they walk into church and they've got questions about that. And so if you have questions about a relationship with Christ, you have questions about this, we are so glad that you are here because the evidence demands a verdict. And the trustworthiness of Scripture is important and the reliability of Scripture is important. And so we want to help you. If you've never made a faith commitment, we want to help you cross that line of faith. We want to help you answer those questions. We want to help you to begin to experience the fullness of new life that Jesus promises. So if you have questions, we're glad you're here. But I'm going to encourage you next week to do your own survey. And then I'd be really curious what results you find. And so you can text me what you find. There's a number there. It's also the QR code on the back of your uh, uh, connection card there. But I'm going to encourage you to ask somebody that question. At school, your workplace, neighbor, and see if you find something different. The majority of people around us don't believe or have never heard what we're going to be talking about today. They don't believe in the historical reliability of, of Christ. They don't understand what happened at Easter. And so that's the missions field that God has placed us in. You know, we have an opportunity, an unprecedented opportunity, to share the hope that we have within ourselves with others around us. And that's what this series is about. We have been sent into the world. You know, this is why we support missionaries. This is why we encourage our small groups to multiply and grow and make room for people. This is why we plant churches across the globe, around the nation. This is why we support the Timothy Initiative. We have been sent to share the good news that we have in Christ with those around us. And so this next series that we're going to be going through for the next several weeks is about the commissioning of the disciples and about the lessons that we can learn as we think about how Jesus has commissioned us. Jesus was with those disciples for three years. His ministry was over. The training was done. The body was gone. And he is now sending them out to accomplish the mission that they've been trained for for the last three years. I have raised uh, four girls, and, and uh, I had the pleasure of helping them all you know, learn to drive. They had driver's ed, and, and uh, I spent a lot of time training those kids. And, and, and at some point, though, you have to get out of the driver's seat. You have to let them drive. And so just that whole process of training my kids to drive is kind of comparable to what Jesus has been doing with the disciples. I've been training you, I've been training you, I've been training you. And then he gets out of the seat and the disciples have to get in and they have to drive. I can remember watching, especially my last child, the youngest one, uh, I had a pickup truck. And, uh, and she had learned to drive and she needed to go to the store and she wanted to borrow my car. I'm thinking, oh, and she got in the car seat and, and she got in she drove off and I was watching her drive away and I, I could see this little teeny head over the steering wheel. I was like, oh my gosh, she can't see. <laughs> and then I watched her pull out to the intersection and she had to cross four lanes of Algonquin where they're flying. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh. I had to let her go though. I had trained her. She'd been in my house for 16 years. I've been training her to drive. At some point, you have to turn your kids loose. And that's what Jesus does with the disciples for three years. He had been with them. He'd been training them and giving them examples and, and seeing them through adversity. And then he commissions them and he has to let them go do what they've been trained to do. There is no plan B. That's plan A. Jesus raised up these disciples. He told them, now you have to go and do the same. And he commissioned them to the ministry that God would have for them as, after he left. And so the next 40 days of this transition time between the resurrection and his ascension, the next 40 days are a transition time where he encourages them and commissions them to now go and do the same. In the book of Luke, in uh, chapter 24, at the very beginning, we see that the body was resurrected. They went to the tomb. They did not find the body of the Lord Jesus there. By the time you get to the end of Luke 24, it's where he's with the disciples. He led them out as far as Bethany. He blesses them. 
After commissioning, he blesses them, and then he parts from them, and, and he's carried up to heaven. And so these 40 days in between his resurrection and his ascension, he commissions his disciples. The next several weeks, we're going to be looking at various passages where the disciples are being commissioned, they're being commissioned, they're being commissioned, and then he would go, and he would leave, and he'd turn them loose with it. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all four of the disciples uh, wrote God used them to write, and in all four of the beginning of the Gospels, we see uh, Jesus appearing to the disciples between his resurrection and his ascension. We see it clearly in all four. And then in the book of uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul writes uh, in 1 Corinthians 15 about the fact that Jesus would appear to more than 500 witnesses. And so we have this 40-day period where Jesus is appearing to the disciples and commissioning for the ministry uh, that God would, would have for them. And we're going to be starting with this first appearance of Jesus, with some women at the tomb. And so we're going to be looking at the first appearance and, and Jesus' encounter with them and, and some lessons that we can learn with regard to what does this commissioning mean for us. And then each week we're going to be looking at various commissionings. Uh, we're going to be looking at these various appearances of Jesus and the lessons that we can learn and how that applies for us um, today. But today we're going to be looking at this first appearance of Jesus with the Marys uh, at the tomb. So if you brought a Bible with you, we're in Matthew uh, chapter 28, and so uh, you can uh, read along with me, uh, listen along. If you're online, there's a little link you can click uh, for the Bible online there. Uh, but beginning in Matthew chapter 28, in verse 1, it says this. After the Sabbath, towards the dawn of the first of the day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to see the tomb. Behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord had descended from heaven and came and rolled the stone back and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning, his clothing was white as snow, and for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He's not here, he has risen. He, just as he said, come and see the place where he lay, and then go quickly and tell the disciples that he has risen from the dead, and behold, he's going before them and will see you in Galilee, just as I've told you. And so they departed quickly from the room and from the tomb. With great fear and joy, uh, they ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and they took a hold of his feet and they worshipped him. And Jesus said to them, Don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. And so this is the first appearance of Jesus to his disciples after he was resurrected. In the book of uh, Matthew in verse 17 Jesus had told them that the Son of Man was going to be delivered into the hands of men, he'd be killed, that he would be raised on the third day, and they were greatly distressed. Jesus had told them this already. In Matthew 26 and verse 8, it said that he has risen just as he said. And so as you read through these appearances, everything that's happening right now is in conjunction with what Jesus has already taught them. They've already known this. They should have already known this. They're, Jesus is reminding them that the things that are happening are things that are, are coming to fulfillment. And so I've already taught you these things. Now you need to do something with, with what you know. Three years he had been teaching them. Forty days after the resurrection is all about the application. Jesus came back to life. Now what? And so that's what Jesus is doing during these next 40 days. He's commissioning them and encouraging them to live their life out in light of the resurrection. Now, coming back to life, coming back to life, that is not that big of a deal, to be honest. 
In fact, coming back to life, is, you see that throughout Scripture. You see that a child comes back to life in Elijah. In 1 Kings, a child comes back to life. And then a child comes back to life uh, with Elijah. And then Elisha in 2 Kings, Jesus would raise a widow's son in Luke 7. Lazarus would be raised in John 11. You see Peter raises Tabitha in Acts 9. People come back to life all the time. In fact, I've got a family member that died. He was pronounced dead in an accident. The doctors revived him and he came back to life. Praise God. And so people come back to life. And so that is not that all an uncommon occurrence. But everyone that has come back to life also is going to die and die again. And so all these people that have been raised back to life have all died. Coming back to life is not new. Being resurrected in a new body, that has only happened once. And so there's a difference between coming back to life and being resurrected. Jesus was resurrected. And so so here's the thing. Jesus did not come back to life. He did not die and then come back to life. He was resurrected. He was made new. He had a new body. There was something different about him. It was a resurrected body. It was not as if he just came back to life. He was resurrected. There was something different about his body. In fact, in John 20, we see that when he appeared to the disciples, he's able to walk through walls and walk through doors. There's there's something different about our resurrected bodies. We're not just going to come back to life. We're going to be made new. In the twinkle of an eye, in an instant, you're going to be made new. You're not just going to come back to life the way you are. You're going to be resurrected just like Christ was, the first fruits of those that have fallen asleep. In Matthew 28, beginning in verse 1, they went to the tomb. It was the dawn of the first day of the week, and they were standing there at the tomb. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. I'm trying to picture the image of that in my mind. I'm standing there, earthquake, Stone rolls away, and there's an angel. He's like he's dangling his feet. I don't know. <laughs> he's sitting on the stone, and he rolled away. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, Don't be afraid, for I know that you are seeking Jesus who was crucified. And so here's the point the stone was rolled back. The guards were freaked out. The women were afraid, and the body of Jesus was already gone. The stone was not rolled back so that Jesus could get out. The stone wasn't rolled back so he could get out of this grave. The body was already gone when the stone was rolled away. And so the resurrection is about this new body that we're going to have. We we don't just come back to life. We're going to have new bodies. In verse 5 and 7, the angel said, Don't be afraid, for I know that you seek Jesus who was crucified. He is not here. He has risen. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly tell his disciples. You see, the stone was rolled back. Jesus was not there. It was rolled back so that they could see he was gone. The fact that the stone was rolled back is evidence for us that Jesus was resurrected. It's not as if the stone rolled back and Jesus came walking out and said, Hey, I got my new body. When the stone was rolled back, he was already gone. And the angel invites them to come and see the place where he lay. This is an invitation. For us to come and see for ourselves a risen Christ. You know, the stone being rolled back in that empty tomb was evidence for us that Jesus is who he claimed to be. And the ladies went into the tomb and they got to see that he was not there. It was firsthand eyewitness testimony to the resurrection. 
It was eyewitness testimony. They came and they saw. There's no deception. Jesus did exactly what he said he would. As a result, he proved he is who he says he is. He died for our sins, and the cross was accepted as payment. And all of this came to fulfillment and is, is, is known to be true because of the evidence of his resurrection. Now, it could have been enough for the ladies to maybe believe the testimony of the angel. The angel said, you know, you come to see the tomb, the, the body's not there, and they could have just believed the angel, right? I mean, do you always believe what you hear? This is an angel, after all. And so, but the angel doesn't leave it there. He's not just saying, hey, take my word for it. He, he casts an invitation for them to come and see for themselves. They got to see it with their own eyes. In fact, all the disciples got to see Jesus, which means that the Father did not forsake Jesus. It means that death has been conquered. It means that Jesus is alive. He's alive. And now we might, we might not believe what, what we hear all the time. You know, we don't believe what we hear all the time. Sometimes we have to see things with our own eyes, and this is what gets to happen. They get to see it with their own eyes. Sometimes we don't believe what we hear, but we typically believe what we see with our eyes, don't we? We typically don't believe what we hear, but we always believe what we see with our eyes. And so this eyewitness testimony is important. Last week I was uh, making copies, and I had a whole bunch of copies to make. And I was 70, and they had to be sorted, and and so I'm standing at the copy machine, and I'm watching this copy machine. It's moving really slow. We got a new copy machine. We saved money, and so I was really grateful, but it's slower. <laughs> and so I'm sitting there watching this thing, and it's going slow, and I'm watching the paper come through, and I thought, this thing is making a copy and then giving a copy. and then making It's taking the original, and it's making a copy every time. Man, that's got to take forever. Man, the last one, you put it in there, made copies, and spit them right out. So I'm walking down, and Robin Holtz, our office manager, uh, stands there. She said, "How going? What's going all right?" I said, "Man, that copier is so slow." He said, "Well, it's not that much slower than the other one." I said, "No, it is." I said, "That thing is making copies of every copy. It makes one and then it spits it out. It makes one and makes it. It's taking forever." You know, <laughs> now you're talking to a guy that, that when I click click on the Chrome button, I, I want my computer to move fast. And so for me, slow is relative. Everything moves too slow. And so she said, "Well, it's not that slow." I said, "I said it is." And she, I said, "Come and look at this thing with me." I said, come and see how this thing's operating. So she walked back to the back. God love her. She, I appreciate you, Robin. So she walks back there, and I said, look. I said, there it goes. There's the paper. It's making copies one at a time. And she goes, no, that's not what it's doing. She said, it's making the one copy. She said, that's, it's duplicating itself. It's a front and back copy, right? She said, you're seeing the paper go. It's making copies of both sides for you. She said, you didn't get to see that in the other machine because it was covered up. But in this one, you get to see it. I was like, oh, you're right. Thank you for coming down and seeing that and explaining that to me. <laughs> and so after I saw that with my own eyes, I understood. But she really gave her so much credit. She walked down with me. She was so patient. But after I saw with my eyes and understood what I was saying, all of a sudden I believed. Because if you'd asked me earlier, this copy machine's not doing it. It's not working right. There's something about seeing things with your eyes that helps you to understand the truth about what's happening. And that's what happened to these women at the tomb. They got to come and see the place that he was laying. Now, I still want a new copier, but come and see is an invitation to you. Come and see is an invitation for us to experience a living Christ. Jesus invites us to come and see. All throughout Scripture, you see Jesus inviting us to come. Come see for yourself. 
Come experience this for yourself. In Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, he says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Are you trying to do things in your own strength? Are you tired of pushing against what God would have for us? People are tired. Jesus says that if we come to him, we will find rest. That is an invitation to let him into our lives, to do things his way, to seek God's will for our lives, not our own. There's a battle of wills. When we pray, God, not my will, but your will be done, it's an invitation for Christ to come in and take control of our life, to be our Lord, not just our Savior, but to live in a way that is consistent with how the Bible teaches us to live. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. And you have a choice. You can either do things your way, or you can do things his way. It's an invitation for us to come. Jesus said to the disciples, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. That's an invitation to the disciples to follow. I've always wondered how many he invited that didn't come. As you read through scripture, you see constantly Jesus inviting us into a relationship with himself. Take my yoke upon you. Come to me. He says to the disciples, come follow, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I'm going to give your life new meaning and new purpose. It's a choice. And each one of us, when we see this invitation to come, has to make a decision about what we're going to do. Are we going to choose to go, or are we going to continue to do things our own way? Jesus is with the Samaritan woman at the well. It's the middle of the heat of the day, and, and he engages with her, and he's, he's helping her to understand what it means to have new life in him and, and to be able to drink water where you'll never thirst. And so he goes on to tell her about him, herself, and she has this powerful conversation with Jesus, and the woman left her water jar, just ran and left her water jar. That's why she was there. She leaves her water jar. She went into the town, and she said to the people in the town, come and see this man. Come and see this man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? It was an invitation for her friends to come meet and engage with a living Jesus Christ. It's an invitation, and they could choose to come or not. In Revelation, Jesus says this in verse 16, I have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root, I am the descendant of David, I am the bright morning star, the spirit and the bride say, come. It's an invitation. He who hears, let him come. Let the one who hears come, and let the one who is thirsty come. These are invitations from Jesus to enter into and, and to have a relationship with him so we can find rest, so we can find purpose, so we can find hope, and so we can find assurance. Jesus invites us into a relationship with himself. Come is an invitation. And here's the deal. A relationship with Jesus Christ is a choice. It's a choice. Jesus invites us. The invitation is there. We just need to accept it. And so our relationship with Jesus Christ is a choice, and each one of us must choose to follow him. It's an intentional choice. It doesn't happen by accident. I've, I don't have many hundreds of people I've baptized. I've never seen anybody drop into the baptism by accident. It's an intentional choice to enter into a relationship with Christ and to follow him and to make him your Lord. And each one of us must choose to trust him on a daily basis through spirit-powered obedience. We trust in God and his plans on a daily basis. 
We have to choose to follow him. We have to choose to put our faith in him. And we have to choose to serve him. And so Jesus invites us on a journey. He invites us on a spiritual journey. And every one of us has an opportunity to take next steps and grow. And so we want to encourage people to take next steps and grow. If you don't have a relationship with Christ, we want to encourage you to, to, to enter into one. Believe that he is God, that he died on the cross for your sins. And, and that when he comes back, he's going to take you to be with him. We want to encourage people. If you're not clear in your mind about how to have a relationship with Christ, we want to invite people into that relationship. And then we want to encourage people to take next steps of obedience. You know, we want to encourage people to get baptized. We want to encourage people to read their Bible. We want to encourage people to get involved in small groups. You've got a spiritual gift for building up the body of Christ. And, and we have a mission that we're living out as we think about what it means to reach the world around us. And so each one of us has a journey together, and we get to encourage one another and build one another up, all the more as we see the day approaching. In John 6, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent him draws, draws him. And so it's a choice that we get to make. And so the Holy Spirit is constantly working in people's lives, giving them evidence of creation, giving evidence of who he is. The Spirit of God is constantly working in people's lives, drawing them into a relationship with Christ. And so the question each of us has to ask ourselves is, are we going to yield to that? Are we going to do things our way? Or are we going to yield to the work of God in our lives and enter into a relationship with Christ? Are we going to grow in our faith? And are we going to become all that God has for us? No one can come to me unless the Father draws, uh, unless the Father who sent me draws him. So it's the Spirit of God that is drawing us into a relationship with Christ. The question we have to ask ourselves is, are we going to come? In Acts 2.33, Peter says to them, we need to repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And so when we cross that line of faith, when we step out in obedience, when we yield our will to his, we get the promise of the Holy Spirit who fills us and enables us to live out the Christian life on a daily basis. We are justified once before God, but the process of becoming Christ-likeness is the Spirit of God working in us on a routine basis. Jesus invites us to come follow him. We place our faith in him. The only question we have to ask is, will we come? Will we take a step toward him? There are steps of faith that we, as we grow, and we want to encourage you. If you have, you have questions about what your next step is, that's what the back of that connection card is. It's like, where are you on your spiritual journey now? And, and how can we help you take the next step as you think about growth? We want to help people understand their need for a relationship with Christ. And we want them to grow spiritually. And so wherever you are in your spiritual journey, you can let us know how we can help you to take the next step. We want, we want to help you to be able to experience more of what God has for you. You know, back in our passage in Matthew 28, verses 5 through 7, he says, don't be afraid. He's not here Come and see the place where he laid. That is an invitation for us to come. And then he says, now go quickly and tell others. Come and see and then go and tell. Come and see where he laid. The tomb is empty. He is gone. He has risen just like he said. He is who he claimed to, he is to be. And, and then go and tell others quickly what you have discovered. They come and see. And then they, and they would be, these ladies would be the very first mess, messengers of the good news about the resurrection. Jesus has been resurrected. He's rose from the grave. And, and the Marys are the first ones to get to see that. And they're the first ones that are commissioned to now go and tell others what you have discovered. Go explain to them theological truths. No. Go and explain to them everything that you've, you know. Tell them that he has risen. It's a simple message. 
You know, Acts 1 8 says that we're going to receive the Holy Spirit to be witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the very ends of the earth. Being a witness is not the gift of evangelism to rustle through the truths of Scripture and to encourage people to cross that line of faith. To be a witness is doing nothing more than sharing with somebody what Christ has done in your life. Being a witness is nothing more than saying the tomb was empty, Jesus was risen. And that's exactly what they do. Go quickly and tell his disciples that he has risen from the grave. He's going before you to Galilee, and you will see him as well. Everybody, everybody's going to get to see Jesus. The disciples, these ladies, are the first ones to be able to get to, to see who Jesus resurrected. It wasn't the high priests. It wasn't the disciples. It wasn't the apostles. It was a group of ladies who simply had come to the tomb to see Jesus was still there. They were at the tomb. This great miracle happens. And right away, after seeing that Jesus was resurrected, they were commissioned to go and tell others to do the same. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell the disciples. They were obedient. Now, they could have sat there for a while and pondered, hey, I've got some questions. I mean, they were commissioned to go and tell they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy, and they ran to tell his disciples. Now, you think about telling people, having conversations about Jesus. There's typically some fear inherent in that, isn't there? <laughs> We've got this great news, and it's like, oh, I don't know what to say. What if they have a question? What if I don't say it right? I mean, typically, when we talk about sharing our faith, there's some, some fear involved in that. And there's also typically some fear about the implications about the resurrection, right? And so if you have a relationship with Christ, you have the assurance of heaven. What if you don't have a relationship with Christ? And then there's the fear of, oh, man, I'm going to have to talk about hell. I'm going to have to talk about, I mean, we, could, we, we have a lot of questions. And so dialoguing and the thought of sharing our faith can be fearful. But at the same time, there's a joy that comes about as a result of the assurance that we have. I mean, it's exciting to know that because of my relationship with Christ, that I know where I'm going to spend eternity. It's exciting to know that God is in control and sovereign over my life, that no matter what's going on in my life, I can trust him. That brings me great joy. Now, I sometimes need to get there because I don't like disruption. You know, when things are going smoothly, it's like, oh, don't mess it up. <laughs> you know, we are going through a season of, of staff changes, and so we're praying for Matt and Bethany as they seek what God would have for them, and we're talking to you know, potential candidates to fill the role, and the whole time, my, in my spirit, I'm like, really? Is this really what you want me to be doing? All the things I could be doing. And so I, I don't like disruption, but I have, over the last several weeks, learned to trust that God has a plan. If it's in my own strength, I'm in trouble. If it's up to me, we're in trouble. Just, just getting that out there. I'm so grateful for the work that God's doing in and through our local body of Christ, through our, through our leaders. And so we come together like this. It's encouraging to see the work that God is doing in our lives together. And I know that God is sovereign. He's in control. I know he's got great things planned. And I'm learning to trust God on a daily basis. You know, there's great joy that comes in the midst of our trials, isn't there? There's a lot of things to be fearful about. But there's also great joy knowing that God is sovereign. He's in control. And that the grave was empty. That is great news. And it brings us joy. And so that these ladies, after being commissioned, left immediately with fear and great joy. You can't share what you don't have. When you come and see, it brings you to a point of decisive faith. 
you're automatically compelled to go and tell others. When you come and see and you've experienced a loving Christ and he's changed your life, you are compelled to share that with others. Jesus has done amazing things in my life. What's what compels me to share my faith? Now, it's also beneficial to have some spiritual gifts of evangelism. (laughs) But when Christ has changed your life, it is exciting. It brings you joy and compels you to share with others. Sharing your faith, talking to your friends and your neighbors and your coworkers and your your kids in school, you know, you know, when we're sharing Christ, this is not some pyramid scheme. You know, we're not trying to get people to come to church to accomplish anything. Many people feel like Christianity is a pyramid scheme. Oh, you're, just, you're just trying to convert me. You know, well, no, what I'm trying to do is share with you the hope that I've discovered in Christ. You know, we are not begging people. We're not trying to persuade some, you know, people of any deep biblical truths. All we're doing is reporting the good news about what we've discovered. Come and see that the tomb is empty. Go and tell others the tomb is empty. You know, when we're witnessing, when we're talking to people, we're sharing with other people what Christ has done in our life. And so many times people don't, don't know how to talk about Jesus. They don't like to share about Jesus because they haven't wrestled through, well, what has Jesus done in my life? You know, when we wrestle through and we understand when our lives are changed by our relationship with Christ, that's what we're sharing. Let me tell you how Jesus has changed my life. And so that's what it means to be a witness. It's not explaining deep theological truths. It's telling somebody what Christ has done in your own life. And many people don't share their faith because they haven't wrestled through and really thought about what Christ has done. You know, many people don't like to talk about Jesus because they have nothing to share. You cannot share what you have not experienced. You know, many people don't talk about Jesus because they take for granted the amazing truths of Scripture. You know, I've been a believer for over 25 years, and the resurrection to me is as exciting today as it was 25 years ago. I hope in, I, I've got to do the math on this one really quick. In the next 25 years, yeah, that should be okay. <laughs> that Jesus' resurrection is exciting for me in the next 25 years as it was today. If, you're, if you've made a faith commitment at 18, you've got a long life ahead of you, <laughs> Lord willing. If you're 30, if you're 40, if you're 50, if you're 80 years old, the resurrection is something that we should never take for granted. It's the, it, it, everything is built on it. The, the, our assurance and the hope of the future is built on it. Everything's built on it. It's not something that we should take for granted. And if we are not utterly amazed about what was accomplished for us on that cross, and then we're not utterly amazed about what the resurrection means for us, then the joy's not there. The sharing's not there. I don't have to tell people to go share their faith. The, the, the idea is, is, hey, what has Christ done in your life? And share that with somebody else. You know, don't, don't, if you don't have anything to share, you can't share. But if God's done something in your life amazing, that's why stories are so important. We're telling others what Christ has done in our life. Storytelling is important. Jesus used stories to tell them. We, we love stories at Springbrook. I love hearing about where God's at work. Jesus has overcome death, and all that is written of him is true. He forgives our sin. He saves people. He loves them. He heals them. He promises his heaven to them. Because Jesus is alive, we can live. And we are ambassadors of this good news. And that's what Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 5. We are ambassadors for Christ. God is making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him, the Father made him to be sin who knew no sin 
so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. You know, Jesus bore the sins of the world on himself on that cross. And we are ambassadors of that good news. Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. Jesus rose from the grave. That is good news to a world that desperately needs to hear about Christ. You can be ambassadors on behalf of Christ only if you have a relationship with Christ. And so we need to reflect on, on what we have, that come and see and that go and tell are, are linked together. Mary Magdalene and, and Mary of Bethany had come to see an empty tomb. They encountered a risen Christ. And then they went to go tell others about it. And then on the way, they got to see Jesus. They departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy. They ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them there and said greetings. They didn't have to go back to the tomb to say, hey, why didn't you haven't found him yet? They came and see. They were on mission to go and tell. And Jesus meets them there. Greetings. They came upon and they took a hold of his feet. They worshiped him. And Jesus said to them, don't be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go in Galilee. And there they will see me as well. Do you want to engage with a living Christ? Do you want to experience more of the power of Christ working in your life? We take steps of faith. We step out of obedience and, and God meets us there. They came and saw and they went to, to go tell him and Jesus meets them right there and they looked upon him, they took his feet and they worshiped him. He was dead for sure through the crucifixion. He was buried for sure in a tomb with a big rock full of the His tomb was secure. He had Roman guards sitting on the end of it. The, the tomb was empty for sure. There was no body. And Jesus meets them after they stepped out in faith and they worshiped him. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul writes to encourage the believers at the time. He says this beginning in verse 1, if there's any encouragement. If there's any encouragement in Christ, if there's any comfort from love, any participation in the Spirit, any affliction and sympathy, complete my joy by being, being of the same mind, having the same love, and being in the full accord of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God something to be grasped. He emptied himself. He took the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of a man and being found in human form, he humbled himself, becoming obedient to the point of death, even to death on the cross. And then it says this, beginning in verse 9. Therefore, as a result of this, God has highly exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name, so that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth and under earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. And so when the Marys meet Jesus, they fall on their knees. They're at his feet, worshiping him as God. We're called to have no other gods before us. Jesus is fully God, and then we see Marys worshiping him in that sense. God has exalted him, and bestowed on him the name that is above every other name. So that the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow in heaven and on earth. And so we come together to worship God. We are here today because of the fact that Christ overcame the grave. 
We're here today to worship him. We're here to lay our lives down, to, to give him his proper place in our calendars, in our time, in our finances, in our resources. We worship God and we give him his rightful place in our lives, all to the glory of God the Father. Jesus Christ is preeminent over all things. It is only through him that we find salvation. There's no salvation in anyone else. There's no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. And so we're celebrating the resurrection, the fact that Christ was risen. And the lesson that we learned from, from, from the ladies at this first appearance was the importance of what it means to, to come and see. We must each first be in a position to come and see. We have to be open to what God would have for us next. And then we, we go and tell others. There's a sense of obedience as we step out in faith together and encourage one another all the more as we see the day approaching. And so this morning, I want to encourage you, if you don't have a relationship with Christ, we want to celebrate your decision to make that. In fact, I'm in conversations right now with three or four people. I'm going to go out on a limb here. We're going to do a baptism service next Sunday. We'll just blow it out there. If you've not been baptized, if you have interest in baptism or that's your next step, uh, we'll get that scheduled for you. Just, Just let us know that you're interested in that. You know, if you're not connected to a small group, if you're not in community with others where you can be encouraging your faith, we're, we're moving into our spring small group open enrollment season. And this is a, a great time to get connected to other people that are studying the Bible and, and trying to figure all this out and, and living their faith out together. And so we want to encourage you to jump in and try a small group. Maybe you're looking for a place to serve. Maybe you're looking for a place to get connected. Maybe you've got a story to share. Whatever your next step is, we want to encourage you to let us know how we can help you take that next step. And so you can use that communication card uh, that is on your uh, chair there, or you can uh, just text this number, you know, text next steps or QR that code. We want to help you to become, you know, more of what God would have for you. We want you to experience life and experience it to the full. We are on mission together, and we're looking forward to what God has for us as we move through the spring towards the summer. It's a great opportunity for us to share the love of Christ with others around us. Would you pray with me? Father, I just want to thank you for this day you've given us today. Thank you for the hope that we have in Christ. I thank you that the tomb was empty, (laughs) that Jesus was risen, and for what that means for us today. God, uh, each of us uh, needs to come to a place where we come to you, where we see. Um, We have minds, um, we're critical thinkers, and uh, there's evidence for the resurrection that demands a verdict. And so, God, I just am grateful that, um, that you've seen fit to call us into a relationship with yourself if we have one. For those that have questions, I pray that you would remove any barriers. Uh, for, for any of my friends that are here this morning, they're watching online, they're just thinking about, hey, I'm not sure what my next step is. God, I pray that you would prompt them to, to take a step out so that they might encounter a living Christ who transforms lives and gives us hope. And God, we commit this day to you. We look forward to all that you have for us, and we probably sing this. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, let's rise together one more time and respond in song to the word we've received from the Lord this morning.
Amen. Well, Springbrook, we want to thank you for being with us this morning. Thank you for coming, giving of your time to join us in worship this morning. I pray now that you will go in faith to love and serve the Lord. Have a blessed, blessed week in Him, and we'll see you next Sunday.